Good afternoon, you are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now with me, your host, Anna Gammons. This is the show where we explore art from the past and art from the present to understand how we as humans have expressed ourselves through time. Apologies for the little intro, you got a little brief um, snippet of what there is to look forward to. That was my fault. Um, But our theme this week is Earth and I have had the pleasure of interviewing visual artist, photographer and filmmaker Monica Alcazar Duarte about her project on space exploration. You are in for such a treat. It is a fantastic interview. So to add a little context to this interview, I wanted to discuss one of the most astounding images we have of the Earth today. So I thought I'm going to launch, sorry, I couldn't resist, uh, into that discussion now. So you may be thinking Earth as a topic for an art show doesn't sound particularly arty. Uh, Probably more of a scientific theme, really, but I have made and will continue to make it abundantly clear that art and science are intrinsically linked, sorry, intrinsically linked. Both require imagination, curiosity and courage, but specifically in relation to Earth, I want to kind of see it today and particularly with this show, I wanted us to see it as a thing of beauty, a finely tuned and fragile work of art. And I remember speaking about the Wildlife Photography of the Year exhibition um, about a year ago, in fact, where nature was presented in all of its glory. And, you know, by kind of scientists and artists alike sort of capturing what what the Earth sort of has to offer. But I think that art can be a powerful way of contextualising science and translating some of its ideas. Because I think when we see a photograph of, of Earth it's so beautiful and earth has so much to offer it's really kind of hard to distinguish between the art and the science of it i think so one of the most famous images that i'm talking about is one of the most famous images in all of history it is of the earth and it literally of the whole earth and it was taken in 1972 it is the blue marble taken on apollo 17 spacecraft on its way to the moon about 29,000 kilometers from earth that kind of baffles me talking about it researching it completely baffles me but you know it is the most one of the most incredible images I'm going to talk a little bit about why I feel it's so important but the image itself shows the earth from the Mediterranean Sea to Antarctica and includes the polar ice caps which I believe was the first time that this had actually been photographed the polar ice caps And um, you can see the Arabian Peninsula. You can also see Madagascar clearly as well. And the coastline of Africa is so clear too. There's a little bit at the bottom that's kind of covered in cloud. But essentially, the reason this photograph is so incredible is um, obviously for number one reason that this is the first time the Earth had been taken a photograph. The whole Earth had been photographed from a distance. And but also the fact that so the Apollo flights were scheduled so you know minute by minute so kind of uh, intensely scheduled and this photograph was taken at a moment of opportunity and just happened um, to be a weightless astronaut who has taken this photo very very quickly but has managed to capture one of the most important images that I think our history has to offer and it was the Apollo 17's it was the last mission to the moon with a crew so no human since has managed to take a photograph of the earth in this way but so why do I think it's so important why have I brought it up well I think it was important for the audience of the 1970s to see the Earth in a whole new way, literally and metaphorically. It was actually released, the the Blue Marble, which is the name of the photograph, was released to the public in 1970 during a wave of environmental activism. But it became then, and I believe still should be today, a symbol of the Earth's frailty 
and vulnerability too. Because although the image is of, of a kind of scientific that we see of kind of space and the earth, it's about so much more than that. And I think this photo is sort of a, a symbol of our existentialism and it carries incredible power. It sort of asks as well as answers some questions that we have um, and, and still don't have answers to in 2019, to be honest. But a lot of kind of art tackles these questions, you know, how did we get here? What is the meaning of life? How can we convey the power of the world? And for me, the most resonant thing about this image is perhaps, you know, looking through the lens of 2019, that there's a photograph that presents Earth as this united entity. It is a safe bubble of finely balanced forces that we should all be working together to protect and not destroy. So for me, very, very resonant image, very powerful image, still incredibly relevant today as it was back in 1972 when, you know, people were considering the environmental effects of, you know, the damage that we're causing. So there we go, a little insight into the blue marble. Now, I hope you enjoyed the little context I gave for my discussion with Monica Alcazar-Duarte. Monica has used photography, film and visual reality to explore different topics. And interestingly, her latest projects have used space exploration as a starting point to bring it back and understand more about Earth. And I, the more I spoke to Monica, the more I realised the importance of her voice in the conversation about understanding and preserving our beautiful planet. So here is Monica. Enjoy. I'm here with Monica Alcazar Duarte. Hi, Anna. Who is a Mexican, British filmmaker, photographer, and artist. Hi, Monica. Hi, Anna. Thank ha you for coming to the studio. Oh, thank you for having me. Let's talk a little bit about how you became an artist, photographer, and filmmaker. How did you get into it? I studied filmmaking. My BA is in filmmaking in Mexico City. And then I have an associate degree in New York in Parsons Schools of Design in Architecture. Oh my goodness. And then I moved to London and studied in Central St. Martins an MA in Performance Design and Practice. And then I studied a second MA in this London. This is so impressive already, can <laughs> no, I just say? <laughs> it's just like, it took me a long time, you know, to figure out exactly what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. Um, but by the time I did my second MA in photography in London College of Communication, mm -hmm. I, I, I think I was more certain of how yeah. and the direction and what was interesting for me and the themes and issues and the form and the shape of it all. So now, um, in a way, it all comes together. Mm. Like if you see my installations, they are very sculptural, they're very interactive, mm -hmm. they're very performative, mm -hmm. they're very theatrical, mm -hmm. um, because I'm interested in audiences relating to photography in a slower way, I say, in a different way. Yeah. I think usually because of the way we read images and the amount of images that we read today, we think that we know what we're looking at. Yep. So we look at things very quickly, mm -hmm. we, we, we swipe very quickly. And we get oversaturated. That's right. And, 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 and we think that a line is enough for, for information or important information to come across. Yeah, so basically yeah, yeah. what my work does from the very start is saying to people, you need to slow down. Mm -hmm. um, I have an installation, for example, that is a cube in which you have to push drawers to open up. If you don't have time and you are in a rush, you yeah. don't you don't realize that you actually have to start pushing and pulling and okay. probing the, the thing, and maybe you are losing something sure. about the exhibition. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's life. Yeah. Um, yes, I think <laughs> just as we are on our phones, missing life passing us by. I think yes. that's a really 
relevant for. <laughs> and, sure. and as a photographer, I think it's very important for me to say to people, this is not about just consuming images. Mm. Um, I use um, usually sound, I usually use uh, projection. Now I'm using augmented reality embedded in the images mm -hmm. as a way of saying it's, it's more than the image what you're about to experience. Mm -hmm. It's about of what is that produce the image that you are experiencing. Mm. We will talk about how your work's immersive because I think that's really important to the, what you're trying to say. I do just want to talk briefly about the idea that um, how we process information because mm. I mean, 2019, mm. I, I feel like we talk about it all the time, but we're constantly bombarded with imagery. As a photographer, I think we've spent too long talking on what is a photograph, if it's reality, if it's truth, mm -hmm. if it deceives us, if it's um, um, a testimony, if it's a witness, if the mm. photographer has an agenda, if, it's, if a photographer can be objective or if it's all subjective and so on. I think it has come a time in which documentary photography is relevant again, you know, is relevant in terms of um, telling important stories, mm -hmm. is relevant in terms of um, with this acknowledgement that is a subjective view and that quite possibly is just the view of one person, I would say, mm. uh, when it comes to telling a story, it is very important to tell a story based on things that are in the world mm. because the world is fascinating the way it is. Mm -hmm. um, and in these times, more than ever, you know, I think mm -hmm. it is becoming even more fascinating. And this mm -hmm. almost disconnection, I think, that happens um, between us and the world because of the mediated way in which we're living today, mm -hmm. it is more than ever needed to slow down and to relate not only to the world, but also to the way we read images in a much more conscious manner. I tend to have the trust in the audience. I, I, I really trust the audience. I know that we are visually literate. Mm. And I'm interested then in activating this literacy mm. and kind of almost immediately asking from the audience, look at things and ask yourself, why is that I'm looking at the things the way I'm looking at? Mm. What is informing them? Yeah. What part of my background and my the, the books that I read this, this week or this month or the films that I've watched or the television series that I've watched is are informing what I'm looking at. Mm. And why is that I'm reading this in this way? Um, I'm interested in the way photographs and images are framed. Mm. I'm interested in what is left outside the frame. Mm. And so in a way, I'm looking for ways in putting back into the image or the creation mm. of an image. And by an image, I, I mean how we conceive an issue or we mm. perceive an issue is yeah. kind of a more holistic approach yeah. of yeah. something. Yeah. Um, in the case of my work, my recent work is, yeah. is a space exploration. Mm -hmm. That's the image that I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah. And I'm interested in that construction of a mythology. Yeah. And I'm interested in the many layers that construct this mythology mm -hmm. and how we understand space exploration today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are going to talk um, about that more in depth because I think that's an absolute... Monica has the most fascinating outlook on, no, uh, no. on, on kind of how she wants to present this idea of space exploration. Uh, it's very unique and it's very interesting and it's very provocative. You want people to have a more curatorial gaze. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting idea. At the moment, we have this kind of waste culture where we're just oversaturating ourselves with everything. We, we want everything, we want it immediately, and we don't take the time perhaps to process in the right way. I think also we have a very focused gaze. Mm. Um, and I think that's a result of the internet and how the internet works and how web searches work. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you look up for a certain issue, it's not like a tree. Mm. It's not like an encyclopedia way of looking at things. Mm. It's very focused on that issue. Mm. And unless you know what you're looking for, you won't be able to find something that is kind of um, 
um, parallel or, mm. you know, um, I've noticed because of my age, I grew up in a, in a, in a home where we had encyclopedias. Mm. And so I would grab um, A or B or C. And within this book, I would have together geography mm. and chemistry mm. and um, humanities and mm. science and arts. So you practice connecting those worlds very early. And, and you see how many different ways of knowledge that you would think are not useful for a certain mm. issue, how interconnected everything is mm. and how everything informs actually mm. everything. Yeah. Um, so I'm very interested in creating that same kind of um, way of knowing something. Mm -hmm. And that means when I say layers, I think I'm, what I mean really is a more global knowledge yeah. of something. Yeah. In the case of the space exploration, for example, um, um, the first chapter is a trilogy. This is a space trilogy. I yes. was telling you about this before. And so the first chapter is called The New Colonists, uh -huh. and it has a photo book, and it has an installation. Mm -hmm. And so then um, what I did for the photo book is uh, I, I followed these scientists that want to go to Mars in 2030 and mm -hmm. never come back to Earth. Mm -hmm. And after following them for a year, I realized that I was missing Earth. Somehow, I wanted to photograph Earth. Yeah. And so I found out that there were three towns called Mars on Earth, mm -hmm. and one of them is in Pennsylvania in the United States. And yeah. so I went there for a month and took pictures and took photographs of daily life, the mm -hmm. most kind of regular, normal, beautiful, mundane life. Mm -hmm. um, and in a way, what I was trying to do, I think, is for people to think, okay, so... I'm looking at pictures of Mars, and I'm looking at pictures of people who want to go to Mars. What does these two things have to do with each other? Mm -hmm. And in a way, for me, if you flow through the images, mm -hmm. the question is there. Mm -hmm. The question that kind of formulated in my mind, I'm hoping, is there, yeah, yeah. in which it is about why would we want to go to Mars if we have Mars on Earth? Mm -hmm. And so when I say create a curatorial gaze, what I mean is that something that seems to be unrelated or that even is contradictory because we're seeing people having breakfast in a diner in the middle of uh, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand side, we're seeing people in the, in the Mars rovers testing the robots that are going to go to Mars in 2030 or yeah. 2029. Yeah. Um, you wonder what, 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 what is this with anything to do with anything else? And I think um, it is about the poetry, how we create by layering knowledge and how do we create an overall image of something by this layering of knowledge. Half of the point is that you're trying to say, why are we searching outside of what we have when we have everything we could ever want and we're taking it for granted? This is really good what you're saying because also when I was photographing the scientific places, mm. what I realized is that I wanted to resist to take pictures of these big, spectacular laboratories. Yeah. I was very interested in the humanity of it all. Mm -hmm. I was very interested in the errors and the mistakes and the process and mm -hmm. the grounding of what is happening because this is the beginning of this new space race, right? yes? Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of little independent groups doing these things from ground zero. They're, they're completely grassroots, some of them. Mm -hmm. um, and so then they would be like really interesting moments in which something is being made to be looked at mm. some kind of um, moon landing area mm -hmm. to produce experiments on the la on, 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 with a robot that is coming from the European Space Agency. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I can see 10, 15 people bringing this gravel mm. into this 
mm. place yeah, and yeah. I can see the whole process of creating this imagery, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I became fascinated by, the, by, by this process of creating this imagery of what it yes. was going to then be photographed by the press at the end of the day or yeah. being registered in the papers mm -hmm. or being presented as this is the last outcome of our research. Yeah. I was interested in what happens before. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel that at the moment, um, the era in which we're living in, Science is being presented as this sharp, factual, which it is. It's, it's a sharp and a Exciting. factual measurement of the world. Yeah. Um, but very rarely we can see the process and the guesswork and the mistakes and the errors and the failures behind mm -hmm. science. I was saying earlier to Monica that I feel silly as a consumer because I'm consuming all this... not um, Mythology. Yes, mythology of what space is and what Mars is like. And we could live on Mars and, you know, we've got, as, as Monica was saying, a planet B. And actually, what you've been saying is there is no planet, no planet B. B. And, and right. I'd love to talk a bit more about that because I think that... Um, just to clarify for the listeners, Monica has decided that, you know, while we're trying to explore Mars, the planet, she's taken it introspectively and said, right, what if I explore our own planet in a place called Mars um, and has used that as, you know, her starting point for saying, we don't have another planet, let's look to ourselves and our own planet. Mm -hmm. is, is that right? In yes, I mean, as human beings, we need to explore. It's part of our nature. It's mm. part of a survival mechanism. Actually, mm. if we don't explore, we die. Um, it's been demonstrated the importance of exploring and learning mm. and testing. Mm. Um, there are so many good things that have happened because of these, like medicines and so many lives have been saved and so on. So in a way, what I'm saying is that if we're going to explore, we need to explore outside the Earth to learn about the Earth. Mm -hmm. We can learn about the history of Earth uh, in so many ways, like... The most fascinating thing that I've learned uh, recently is that the moon used to be part of the Earth. There was a meteorite that struck the Earth many years ago. Stop! And so the moon, <laughs> so the moon so went outside of the gravitation. So I think that way is important. The space mm. exploration is vital because we're going to learn so many things about our planet. Mm -hmm. But that, I think that's my point. If we are going to go out, let's bring it back. Yes. Let's learn how mm. we can avoid to have catastrophe, ecological catastrophes and so on. This is all, these are all questions that as a regular human being cross my mind as an, as an artist I put out there for people mm. I do not pretend to have the answers and um, if I get to any answers I do believe that knowledge is something that changes it's not set on stone mm. so quite possibly in five years time from now I would say why was I talking about that now we know more we have discovered this and that was wrong you mm. know we talked about there being no planet b we don't yes. have a planet b and it has been potentially fed to us that Mars mm. is a viable option mm. for us when we've ruined our own planet. Mm. Um, and what you're sort of saying, correct me if I'm wrong, is that that's n not necessarily an option. And although we are fed this idea that um, that Mars is, has similarities to Earth, you know, there may be water, there may be food supplies, mm. there may be a similar atmosphere. It looks the same in these photographs. Mm. Um, but actually, this is a lot of that is marketing um, for, for funding in some ways. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, most, the most obvious case is, is the way Mars, the images from the Mars rover have been tainted to look more Earth-like. Yes. Um, and this I find fascinating. You know, in a way, yeah. I think that if we would see more of the Mars that is completely red and unfriendly and dry and dusty mm. with these um yeah yeah it's an unfriendly mm. environment if we mm. would see it more like that our ima imagination wouldn't wouldn't 
wouldn't travel as far. We wouldn't fantasize as much thinking that maybe we can move there one day. I think exploration, as I said, is necessary. I think what is dangerous is to think that at one point we will be able to mm. transport life as we have it here somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And that what we have here is not unique, that we can reproduce it as technology advances, mm. as science mm. advances. I think that's kind of where the danger mm. is. And in a way, this is what I'm interested with the second chapter of the trilogy, mm. which is ascension. I'm talking about Ascension Island in the South Pacific Ocean um, through which Charles Darwin passed. And what he did was an extraordinary experiment that lasted 10 years. Mm. He completely changed the ecological environment on the island over these 10 years. And so then Ascension Island is used as an example of what could it be one day uh, if we go and terraform Mars. So, so Ascension Island basically was a volcanic island. Um, and he was there, I think, for a couple of days or a week or so, mm -hmm. um, he actually mentioned that this was a charred rock mm -hmm. on which its inhabitants were very unlucky to have to live there, mm -hmm. that there was almost no life on it. That's the way he mentions mm -hmm. it in his Parallels, diaries. perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> um, then he came back from his journey on the HM Beagle. Yeah. And um, his friend... Uh, was a botanist who at the time was the director of Kew Gardens. And so uh -huh. he basically convinced Kew Gardens and the Royal Navy to ship flora and fauna to Ascension Island. Mm. And this lasted for 10 years. Mm. So today Ascension Island is a combination of this volcanic environment, a desert mm. and a rainforest. Mm -hmm. And they change completely the ecological violent, mm. balance of mm. the place. But thank um, God, as we said, like... So um, I read recently on a Nat Geo National Geographic article, they were using Ascension Island as an example. Scientists are using it as a, some kind of um, mm, example or plan blueprint or blueprint of, yeah. of what it could be done in Mars one day. I and see. I thought that's really interesting because this is an island in the middle of the ocean with plenty of water on yeah. Earth. So that jump is gigantic. It's huge and it has to do with what we were saying before in the way we process information mm. is so quick and we synthesize is the we way jump from idea to idea it's the way our brain works our brain really synthesizes the world mm. around us so it guides us so we don't kind of die of a panic attack because yeah. everything is chaotic because could be overwhelmed at um, any possible moment mm. and so i'm trying to kind of this gap that I see being reduced, I'm trying to make it larger and kind mm -hmm. of put off all of the things that are in between that I don't see in visual culture today mm -hmm. when we talk about space exploration. Mm. Yeah. Monica is, uh, is filling in the gaps of the, of the images that we, that we see. I mean, I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. I, I want to talk a little bit about um, mm. the, your use of um, augmented reality or mm. AR, as we call it, um, as a narrative um, I think for me, when I develop a project, it's very important that whatever languages or, or disciplines I'm using um, have a purpose. Mm. So in this case, because I've been struggling with this notion of how do I include what is periphery to the image? How do I kind of bring it um, into the image or how do I bring it into the experience of this image? Mm. Um, when I encounter a mental reality with this project, it was just amazing in terms of... Mm. Right, so I can do this. I mean, basically, I can make an image to become alive in front of people's eyes. Mm. And I can start including the many different layers of things that are very difficult to visualize. Mm. In the case of a space exploration, if I'm 
unless I'm able to go to space, mm. unless I'm able to look at the Earth from afar, I'm going to experience the, what is called the overview effect. Mm -hmm. And what this is, is the experience of the Earth as this tiny little blue dot in the middle of this huge, immense, infinite universe. Mm -hmm. And the perspective to realize that, that brings. Mm -hmm. And so then I thought, okay, I can make an animation. I can evoke this feeling. I can talk about the issues that I'm interested in mm -hmm. through uh, augmented reality. Mm -hmm. Monica was showing me earlier, her app basically allows you to experience her um, photographs uh, on a kind of multi-sensory basis where you are you're kind of being fed information in a 3D arena yes. um, and it's a really fun experience but it's also very informative and it also gets the ideas across in a really new way as you said for new generations as well. I'm glad you think um, that Anna, oh, because it's really important I think it's very mm. important that somehow the image becomes alive in front of your eyes. I think I think for me the main question is uh, for who is this, is this vision of the future you know mm. and who's going to um, benefit from it but there are so many other layers to space exploration that mm. is not talked about which is the business side of it mm. which is the corporate side of it which is the ecological side of yeah. it the but political side of it yeah. I also find there's something very interesting about space exploration which is the bravado that entails mm. the bravado that entails to say yes we're capable we're going to go out there we're going to make it we're going not to get burned while we come back you yeah. know we will produce these huge rockets and so on yeah. well at the same time as soon as we get out many of the astronauts have said how small we are yeah I've actually heard this um, concept before where actually astronauts come back from their visits and say, we saw Earth in its entirety and we just wanted to protect it. It's mm. tiny and small mm. and vulnerable mm. in this huge expanse. I interviewed Frank White. Frank White is a philosopher who coined this term, which is called the overview effect. Mm. And he interviewed many astronauts who had been outside. Yes. Not 100% of all of them, but um, many of them experienced this overview effect. Mm. And, and many of them said, you know, this is a fragile oasis on which we are. And there's nothing out there is very unfriendly and mm. we're very small and we're all together. We're all mm. together on this little planet. Mm. Um, the politics and the divisions and the barriers and the language and religions and everything is we're all experiencing it together on mm. this tiny little planet that mm. we call home. Whenever I give talks or I talk about the work mm. and so on, I do always open the forum for other people who are making work about space mm. or who other photographers, other artists, mm. so do get in touch and let's work together, let's work as a community, do reach out. So we've talked about um, your space exploration mm. exhibition. Um, what new projects have you got coming up? Because you mentioned there's a part two and a part three to mm. this project. Yeah. Yeah. And where can people go to find them? Where are these exhibitions? I had an exhibition. I had three exhibitions this summer. Mm -hmm. I was very lucky. So one was in Italy in a place called Givelina. Mm -hmm. um, the other one was in Dublin. Um, and the other one that is currently on but will be finished in a month's time mm -hmm. is with the Royal Photographic Society. All of them have sculptural elements to them. All of them have the, the augmented reality mm -hmm. um, element into them. Um, I am working currently on the third uh, chapter of the trilogy and that one is going to be finished hopefully by mid next year 2020. Mm -hmm. um, I'm developing with the support of National Geographic. I'm trying to find a way in which the audience feels compelled to act upon 
these other issues that sure. are related to yeah. law and are related to a legal framework mm -hmm. uh, in particular. We only have to look at the new gener the younger generations mm -hmm. at the moment. They are so active, mm -hmm. they are so on it, mm -hmm. and it is because they see their future affected yeah. and they're just like effectively saying, wake yeah. up. So Monica, where can the listeners go to find out more about you and your work and potentially connect with you? Yeah, they can find my website. Um, my name is Monica Alcazar Duarte. Mm -hmm. um, um, you can contact me through my website. Um, but to be honest, I'm better on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So if you look for me on Instagram. So that is spelled M-O-N-I-C-A-A-L-C-A-Z-A-R-D-U-A-R-T-E. That is Monica's full name. So absolutely go and search for her on there. And then you mentioned Twitter as well. Yes, Twitter is at uh, Monica underscore Alcazar. I am personally very excited to see what you get up to. I think what you're doing is important. I think it's... Um, very exciting and I hope that other people I'm sure they will thank I hope you. the listeners uh, do reach out and get involved thank you so much for talking That's really to kind. me thank you Monica. Anna it's thank you for pleasure. coming the voice you're about to hear is that of Dr Crawford who is a British professor of planetary science and astrobiology at Burbank University of London he is being interviewed by Monica on space exploration By the time you've gone to Mars, then the Earth is just another star in the sky. It's just a little dot. And the further away you go into the solar system, the fainter the dot becomes. So this provides a perspective, you could call it the cosmic perspective, of looking back at the Earth in its true cosmic setting, and it's seen to be very small. The more you see this perspective as the Earth, as this tiny, tiny dot hanging in space with all of these common problems, the more the realisation dawn on people that it really needs to act together. There's an implicit argument if you see the Earth from space that the Earth ought to be politically unified. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Monica. She was so eloquent and passionate about her projects and the meanings behind them. I found her truly inspirational. And I do hope that if her message resonates with you or anyone listening, then you will contact her. That is unfortunately all we have time for this afternoon. Thank you for listening to Art Then and Now with me, Anna Gammons. For any of the images, visit the Facebook site at the Art Then and Now show. And see you next week at 3.30 on Resonance 104.4. Next week's show will be the last one before the Christmas break I hope you guys are feeling as Christmasy as I am I'm all about it I'm, I'm lost I'm lost in the Christmas hype um, so yes enjoy the Christmas spirit don't get too cold and see you next week <laughs>